everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, we talk about faith and family, fitness, and the outdoors. And I have had some amazing guests on. I have an amazing guest today, who his name is Caleb, or you might know him as the Buffalo Creek Outdoors on YouTube. That's how I found him originally a couple years ago. Uh, he does awesome bow reviews, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. But this is a treat for you guys. Hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with him just as much as I enjoyed making this episode for you and having the conversation with Caleb. He's fast becoming a, a good friend as we're both from North Carolina, and uh, hopefully we'll get to hunt together here pretty soon. Before we get into the fun stuff, I have some amazing companies that I work with, and I have their links down below. Again, if you're looking to make purchases, might as well save money while you're at it. And that will help to grow the podcast as well. It'll help to let you, uh, the sponsors know that you're supporting them along with me here at the podcast so that we can make sure this grows. Uh, so we've got Absolute Aid. If you're looking for a good CBD chewable, I love using it on the days that I'm feeling a little bit more achy or sore from a previous day's workout. I'll add that into my multivitamin regimen that I, that I have. Uh, they are amazing. Clean company. No THC. Just good, pure ingredients. I also have, and I work with First Form Outdoors or First Form. They are the best supplement company. Again, if you have a hole in your nutrition somewhere, whether that be not getting enough protein or you need a multivitamin or something along those lines, go check out First Form. If you use the link down below, uh, you'll get free shipping on all your orders. Also, another great company, Alpenfuel. Alpenfuel.com. Alpenfuel is an amazing granola company. They also sell other meals that I'll talk about in a second, but the granola is second to none when it comes to backcountry nutrition. They're all gluten-free. They're amazing flavors. My favorite is the cranberry white chocolate that they just barely came out with, but also the chocolate strawberry, the caramel apple. Those two are a close second in my book. Go check them out uh, for good granola um, if you want to add to your food storage. If you want to use it for the backcountry, for some hikes, backpacking, as we're getting into that season, I highly recommend going and checking them out. Save some money with my discount link down below. They also sell Heather's Choice, which is my top meal choice outside of granola. Uh, I love their meals because, again, for me, it's all gluten-free. But even if you're not gluten-free, you don't want your gut being torn up in the backcountry. And we all know those meals that can tear you up in the backcountry don't want to have those issues back there. Heather's Choice is my go-to as far as meals are concerned. The, the salmon chowder is fantastic, but all the meals are just great. Also, they sell Peak Refuel. Peak Refuel is another amazing, good, nutritious, backpacking food company based out of here in Utah. Uh, go support those companies and save some money while you're at it. And last but not least, Affect Beard. So Affect Beard Oil is based out of here in Utah as well. Another local company. I love supporting local companies. Again, a great beard oil. If you got a short beard, long beard, medium beard, go get some beard oil and beard butter. Shape that beard up. Make it look good. Keep it healthy and keep the itching away. That's what beard oil is all about. But Affect Beard Oil also, and I love working with this company because they donate 10% of your purchase to charity. So... Again, supporting local community, supporting charities, and not itching anymore on your beard. <laughs> Go check them out. 
And uh, any other links that I have, guys, go check them out down below. Also, feel free to email me with any feedback. I'd love to hear your reviews as well. Go leave a five-star review. Send a screenshot to me in the email, and I will send you something in the mail because I really do appreciate your support. Now, without further ado, here's the amazing conversation that I had with Caleb. All right, I've got an awesome guy here named Caleb, Caleb Schragengast. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. That's it. Okay, perfect. Um, and he runs Buffalo Creek Outdoors on YouTube. And I found Caleb a couple of years ago when I was getting into archery myself. And uh, he was doing some some bow reviews. I was looking for people that were obviously not biased towards certain uh, bow manufacturers. And he did an awesome job. And uh, and ever since then, just followed his stuff. He's been out to Colorado um, recently elk hunting. And uh, he's got an awesome family. And uh, he's into fitness and the outdoors, just all the stuff that we talk about here, Redbeard Outdoors. Um, but Caleb, give us kind of a rundown as to who you are, where you got to be so into the outdoors. And uh, yeah, just fill us in. Yep. So like he said, uh, my name's Caleb Schrackengast, and I'm from a little town uh, called China Grove, which is not China Grove as in the song, but it's uh, China Grove, North Carolina. Um, I've been born and raised here my whole life, and that's kind of where I got my start uh, into the outdoors is uh, pretty much all the men in my family grew up hunting, uh, you know, some sort of squirrel hunting. We didn't really have deer around here when most of them were kind of coming up. It kind of just that kind of happened about in the 60s and 70s time frame. The deer kind of started moving in this area. But, uh, yeah, I grew up hunting with my uncle, my dad and my grandpa and uh that's kind of where the name comes from, the Buffalo Creek Outdoors name. Uh, there's a creek that runs here on my grandpa's property uh, called Dutch Buffalo Creek. And uh, yeah, that's where the Buffalo Creek Outdoors name comes from. So growing up here my whole life, um, I met my wife in uh, high school and we've been together now 12 years. And luckily she uh, she understands the addiction that I have with the outdoors and she uh even pushes me to do it even more so can't complain about that fortunately for me uh she grew up with her dad hunting all the time and he worked out of town and with me being in the air force it was just kind of like the perfect fit like i'm out of town quite a bit she's good with it she's independent she lets me do my thing and she was used to her mom letting her dad do the same thing so here we are 12 years later and you know, better than ever. So that's pretty much where I'm at. Been in the Air Force uh, a little over 10 years. That's what I do full time. Uh, fly around on C-17s, traveling the world and getting paid for it. So uh, best of both worlds. I get to hunt all over the place. Got an awesome spouse and get to travel with work, traveling the world and getting paid at the same time. So can't complain about that at all. Exactly. That's the way to go, man. And uh, I, I did want to ask you too uh, about that. So you, you grew up in North Carolina, you know, that's kind of like the, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Um, I grew up there as well, just outside of Fort Bragg and Fayetteville, which you guys don't want to go visit Fayetteville. It's not, it's not pretty. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Hope Mills is nice, which is a little town right, right outside of Fayetteville. So um, anyway, so you, you grew up in the outdoors in North Carolina. Um, obviously, yeah, I see you've got a on your hat. Is it Genesis 27? Yeah, yep, 27 3. Awesome. And what what is that scripture? So the it, 
not not exactly word for word. It's the scripture in Genesis where um, God is saying to go take up your weapons, uh, your bow and your quiver, and go kill me some game. That's pretty much like to sum it up. Uh, it's not word for word, but uh, that just kind of stuck out to me because for me, I would say 99.9% .9 of what I do is bow hunting. Um, I'll carry a rifle, but and I have nothing against it, but man, there is something about having that bow that was sticking string and just you know having something up close but yeah that's why that verse kind of stuck out to me that's awesome that's awesome I, I like it yeah so you again you incorporate all all of the things that we talk about here in in redbeard outdoors so the the faith and family piece i, I wrap in together now i understand you you guys don't have kids as of yet right no kids yet you got no, a fur baby got, though i see right there yeah he's laying here on the floor he's a nut uh, <laughs> and, oh, uh, 12 and, years of marriage dude that's that's awesome that takes well, we, that takes work yeah. in and of itself right yeah we've uh we met like i said we met in high school uh i was a senior she was a sophomore we grew up together within five minutes of each other and never knew each other she knew me because you know going up through middle school the sixth graders know the eighth graders but the eighth graders usually don't know the younger people so she had heard of me. I'd never heard of her. And we ended up meeting, ironically, in Bible history class my senior year of high school and just hit it off. Been together ever since. And, uh, yeah, that was 12 years ago. We've been married six years now. And uh, kind of our thing was we had – I had traveled with the military, but she had never traveled. So when we got married, we started traveling around, and I started hunting, you know, trying to hunt some public land here and there and then got really big into it. And, um, yeah, we actually, we started trying to have kids about a year ago now. So I guess we just haven't gotten good enough yet at it. So <laughs> maybe eventually it'll stick and we'll have a few, but right now we just got <laughs> this one. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. And, you know, honestly, like families of all shapes and sizes, I, I love it. You know, being married in and of itself as two individuals, you know, that, that, that grow together if, if it's done correctly. And, uh, and, and the fact that she and you have this communication to where you can travel for your job and, and you're providing for the family. Right. And she understands that now, obviously she grew up with that, but at the same time, it takes communication. You know, like if you just didn't show up at home one day, you know, she'd probably be like, what the heck's going on? But you obviously you let her know, Hey, I'm going to be traveling for work X, Y, Z days. And, uh, and you make that happen. So, and then on top of that, you know, having that, having that addiction for the outdoors, um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. Cause you know, there's so much, I, I know in North Carolina, um, you know, I, I grew up, you drive down the road, you can't see the other side of the highway because there's trees, you know, came out here to Utah and it was like desert, which I mean, it is a desert. And I was on the verge of moving back, um, because I, I missed the greenery the birds, the deer, even though, you know, they'd run out in front of you all the time, uh, uh, on the road, but, but just, um, the, the wildlife right outside your door was something that I, I miss, you know, uh, from growing up out there. And then I got hooked on the mountains. I had a good buddy of mine that, that brought me into the mountains and then hunting after backpacking, we got into, to Western style hunting. And, um, and that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball game. Uh, I agree with you too, that bow, bow hunting, there's something else about it. Like, yes, I'll carry a rifle and I'd love to do some awesome, maybe, 
mule deer hunts or uh, limited entry hunts in certain areas with a rifle. But for the most part with a bow, since I've been hooked on it the last two years, uh, tell me a little bit more. Did you grow up bow hunting or did you, uh, is this something more recent? So my dad, uh, he had a bow and I saw him hunt, you know, when I was real little. Um, but then they got me a bow. So Grafton Archery, that's the shop that I deal with all the time. Uh, and I worked there back when it was SNS Graham Archery. Same building, you know, same, same everything. But there was two sisters that owned the business. They ended up, one of them passed away, one of them retired. So now um, my buddy Colin and his dad, Joe, own the business. My buddy David works up there. And so my dad went up there and bought me a bow at SNS when I was like five. So that's when I got my first bow and I shot it as a kid, but I didn't start actually bow hunting um, until I was, I want to say I was 11 or 12. Um, and it was kind of funny because what got me into bow hunting was the Primo's videos, the old Primo's truth about hunting videos. For whatever reason, I just locked onto those videos. And even though I didn't bow hunt, I watched them over and over. This was back when it was VHS videos over and over and over again and so when i got a little older i got old enough to where i could draw enough weight uh my uncle knew a guy that worked or owned a firearms business and he was able to get pse well it just so happened that at the time primo shot pse so i'm all about it you know <laughs> give me a P i'm gonna get a pse you know and that was kind of the beginning of the end for me i got that bow and I shot that summer and then I killed my first deer, like on the first or second sit that I went out with my bow. And after that, I was like, you know, this is what it's all about. And, uh, yeah, I haven't, I've shot a few deer with a rifle since then, but most of my deer have been with a bow. That's awesome. Yeah. There's just something else about it. It's, uh, it, it's almost, and then, so I shoot at least 10 minutes a day. Um, and I made that deal with myself when I, purchase that bow i was like you know this is a big investment and uh on top of all the the stuff that goes with the bow like it's not just the bow it's the sight and the arrows and then the more arrows that you're gonna have to buy because of you breaking them or shooting them or you know, whatever happens and and like it's a constant money grab but uh i said you know i'm gonna dedicate at least i i said at least one arrow a day it's turned into at least 10 minutes a day uh of shooting and um, it's almost like meditation. I mean, it's so quiet. I love that about bows. They're just so quiet. You can watch the arrow. I know it can go pretty fast with, with a compound, but, um, you know, just, there's so many things that, that go into archery. You're always tinkering with your bow. Uh, there's always something else you can do. You can always mess around and refletch your arrows. Like there's always something, uh, with archery. So I could see why you would have gotten hooked when you were, when you were 12 and then, uh, obviously you don't shoot PSC anymore, but do you still have that bow? Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't have the bow. Um, so that was, there was pretty, a pretty big gap there. So around 12, so like 12 to maybe 15, I bow hunted, but I only bow hunted when it was bow season. So anything else, I was still using a gun still, you know, whatever. And I would shoot, I was the typical, I shouldn't say typical. I was the normal guy in this area. I would pick my bow up a week before season. I'd screw on my muzzy broadheads and I would be flinging arrows. And, you know, 
that was kind of my bow hunting, how my bow hunting went for the first few years I bow hunted. And then with, you know, baseball, football and all that other stuff, I kind of slowed down on the hunting until actually right around the time I met my wife. And, uh, you know, I started bow hunting, getting back into bow hunting. And uh, really once I graduated, so I bow hunted a little bit, uh, probably my junior, senior year, not very much because generally football would run slam through like three quarters of deer season but then i would bow hunt a little bit and then when i graduated i was actually looking for a job before i uh enlisted and talking about you know lifting and stuff like that i was up at the gym working out and ran into a guy i'd never met before i had just gotten hired on a food line warehouse to stock the freezer area and uh, we got to talking and, you know, we got talking hunting and ended up being my buddy, David, which is still one of my best friends today. He was like, well, I work at an archery shop. He said, you seem like you like to bow hunt a little bit. He said, do you want to come up here and see about getting a job? I said, yeah. And he's a few years older than me. I think he's in his mid thirties, but he, uh, he said, you want to come up here and look at getting a job? I said, yeah, I'll come up there. And it was like, man, when I got immersed in that, it was like, oh my gosh the world that i've just been exposed to and uh you know i already like talking to people so i like talking hunting i like talking to people and here i am in an archery shop and now i'm immersed in archery like big time and uh first thing i did was brought i got up there and i started shooting those bows and i'm still shooting a a bow that's 10 plus years old or right at 10 years old and i'm like man the technology's changed and i had no clue you know and I started getting up there shooting bows and I'm like trying to scrounge my money by, I think I was making like $10 an hour. I was like, Oh man, I got to get a new bow. You know, I can't be working at an archery shop and shooting this 10 year old bow, you know? And, uh, one thing led to another, I brought that old bow up there and I sold it kind of wish I wouldn't have now I'm in the, I'm in the place now where I can afford not to have sold my bow, but then it was like, ah, it's just a bow. I'll sell it. I'll get a new one. And, uh, that was kind of what started the the Hoyt thing for me. I shot all the bows and I ended up with a boat with a diamond because it was a little bit cheaper and I had issues with it. And <laughs> finally I was like, you know, I really like this Hoyt. And I ended up getting a Rampage XT. And I will never forget that. That to this day is probably top two of my most favorite bows ever. I just shot that bow so good. And the next year rolled around and I'm like, oh, I can afford a little bit better bow. So I got the, I don't even remember which one it was, but I hated that bow. And then I went to another one, but yeah, I shot the uh, spider 34. This hanging up here behind me. I've been shooting that bow since 14. And, uh, and then I got the Matthews V3 It's hanging back here behind me too. But uh, I just crazy as many bows you know especially now i'm doing youtube and i'm working with the guys at the archery shop and doing and doing that type of stuff i can shoot any bow and it's crazy how you just they're all so good all these bows are so good like you can't really say this is the best bow out there but it's crazy how each bow to you is like it's like a baseball glove it just fits you know what I mean? So you, you find that bow and then all of a sudden you shoot it and it's just like, oh man, this is awesome. And, uh, that's kind of, that's the bug that I have. Like, that's the kind of thing that I'm into the whole process. Like we talk about, like, that's why, like, if you, if any of you guys watch my videos, you will know 
my emotions are on my sleeve. <laughs> and especially if you watch yep. the video where I shot that elk in Colorado that was on the full draw film tour this year. Oh man. You want to talk about emotions on a sleeve, like can't control yourself. You're on the mountain, just like shaking, you know, that's how, you know, that's, there's a lot of it that goes into it. And for me, the kill is the hardest part I don't really enjoy killing the animal, but it's the, all the days that I was out in the yard shooting my bow. It's all the hours that me and my buddies put in hiking and working out and getting our bodies in the best shape we can be in all the time away from your family and your wife's calling you on the mountain. Like you're doing so good, you know, keep it up. You know, you're going to get one. And then you got all that, you know, and you guys know, you know, that are in the hunt community, you don't go out there and kill one every time. But in my case with that elk, that was my 23rd day bow hunting elk in Colorado, traveling from North Carolina to Colorado on an over-the-counter tag, no guides, DIY, beating yourself up. And that's what to that's what drags me back every single time and that's what i think that's what it is about the about bow hunting for me is every time i draw that bow and i release that arrow and you're watching that arrow go through the air it's like i don't know it's something about it it's hard to explain everybody has their thing but for whatever reason it just bow hunting stuck with me no yeah i get it 100 percent. and yeah that was an awesome video to watch uh i'm gonna have to go back and, and re-watch it again because that was i still have yet to kill kill my own elk um you know, this last year was my first year uh, archery elk hunting out here in Utah. And Utah is not an easy tag over the counter. Um, I know Colorado over the counter is not easy as well. There's a lot of people uh, that you run into up there. And, and especially because Colorado has so much, I think it's unlimited for um, out-of-staters. And so um, a lot of people gravitate towards Colorado for that reason. Um, but that that was an awesome awesome video and yeah i i agree people should go check your stuff out because you you do i don't there's not there's not a tangible thing that i can describe with your your videos it's just very down to earth um no nonsense with your reviews and uh and it's just uh you know it's just a great great experience to just sit there and watch you shoot the bows and and for me that's the other thing too like they're all especially once you hit the flagship bows they're all very similar. It's just, there's slight nuances that are different. Like prime has their center grip. That's right in the middle of the riser. They have a different look to them, which even though some people may say that's not important, you want your bow to look good. If you're spending that kind of money, you want it to look the way that you want it to look. And, uh, which is why I'm still waiting for my bow because Matthews was on back order when I ordered mine. <laughs> yeah, me too. Exactly, <laughs> I'm still waiting right? for my bow to come in. Right. Exactly. Uh, Cause I had to get the special different colored limbs from the riser, blah, blah, blah. You know, but again, I'm spending the money. I want it to come the way that I want it to come. And, uh, and so you, you just do an awesome job with that where you just show like, obviously you, you generally gravitate yeah, towards yeah through to Hoyt and Matthews, but you, you go through all of them and you shoot them. And there's just those slight things. Like I think elite does a good job of like, if you like tinkering with your bow itself and you don't have a lot of equipment, that's one or Bowtech, I think is another one. Um, if you want speed, you generally go towards Hoyt and Matthews. Like there's just a whole, you know, it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Just like with any gear and I could go down that rabbit hole. I love, I'm such a gear junkie. Um, but Same. anyway, yeah. 
<laughs> um, but that that's awesome. The thing man. with me is I'm like I am a I'm an so if you you can't really see my whole room, but right now it is it is wild. I mean, I've got stuff everywhere. But the weird thing is for me when I get out there, especially coming all the way from North Carolina and going out west, or even when I go to hunt public land in Ohio or wherever I go, when I get there, I know my gear is what I need, what I want, where I want it. It's all good to go. Like I am super picky when it comes to that type mm -hmm. of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, what you're saying about the bows, it's there. I have a lot of people comment on my videos. Like, why do you only shoot Hoyt and Matthews, which I don't, but I do shoot PSEs. I do shoot the Botex, but at the same time, uh, just out of respect for the guys at Grafton, I'm only going to review and I'm only going to shoot the bows that they carry. I would like to go out there and shoot the primes. I would like to go out there and shoot. They used to carry a lead. They haven't been carrying them as much lately. They just haven't sold that great in our area. But I would like to shoot all those bows. And it's not that I don't want to, but at the same time, I've been fortunate and blessed with the, the buddies that I've got you know, and the avenues that I've been able to take with doing their videos and stuff. And I just don't want to, I don't want to mess that up. I'm not going to go out here and rep a product, even if it's a good product, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm not going to rep a product that those guys don't carry because I don't want to do that to them. So yeah, I get a lot of comments about that on my channel and, you know, I'm not biased to any bow brand, but yeah, like you said, I do seem to gravitate to Hoyt Matthews, but that's just because those are the bows that I shoot that seem to fit me the best. Well, like I said, I got this V3 back here. I shot it all year and it's a great bow. I love it. It shoots good, but for whatever reason, my preference and the one that I still got set up is this 2014 Spider 34. I just, well, I hadn't shot my bow in several weeks. I went out on the deck yesterday and shot a turkey target at 63 yards, first two shots, and I'm drilling a little white dot. And I haven't shot that bow in forever. It's just certain bows. I mean, you just, you know, I try to be as unbiased as I can in my videos, and I hope that comes across. But it's hard to not say I really like this bow. I try to give the details, and I try to give the specs. And a lot of other guys are asking, why don't you shoot these bows at 30 inches? Why don't you give the speeds at 30 inches? And I can do that, but you can go on the website and see what the bow shoots mm -hmm. at 30 inches. It's going to shoot reasonably within 10 or so feet a second of what they say it shoots normally. My draw length is 27 to 27 and a half inches. So if you want a really honest review, that's where I'm going to have to shoot the bow at. And I feel like there's a kind of a, a gap on YouTube of guys. Most guys are around that 28, 29 inch draw, somewhere in there. And I feel like that's where most of your reviews come from in that range. There's not that many that shoot the bows at the shorter draw lengths. So mm -hmm. that's what I try to do. So, you know. Now that you mentioned that, that's probably one of the things too that I was drawn to because so between you and um, I'm just trying to think of the, there were three main channels, uh, you and Dan from Elk Shape, um, which has become a, he's become a good friend of mine. Um, and I'm trying to think there was one more, but. I think that was one of the big similarities that we've all got the 27, 27 and a half inch, the T-Rex arms yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and drawing those bows back. And um, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I have people mention to me like, 
I, I never talk about, you know, draw length, draw weight, stuff like that. But when people ask, I'm like, yeah, I'm shooting. To, I think it's going like 84 pounds on my weight. And they're like, why you got to shoot so heavy? I'm like, well, cause I want to shoot a little bit heavier arrow and I want the same flight and I don't have long arms like you do. So <laughs> got to make up for it somehow. Yeah. Um, but no, that that's, yeah, I agree with you, man. It, it's, you can't please everyone. And I, I, I do feel like, uh, you know, there's so many broad reviews on bows um, that you kind of have to pick your niche, you know, and you, in what you've done again, the people that want to say, why don't you review these other bows? There's so many other channels out there. That's not what you do. You know, uh, you want to support your local guys. You want to, you want to prove, you know, not prove, but you want to show, provide your value to them as well, just as they're providing value to you. And so, um, yeah, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, does your wife shoot a bow? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she has shot a bow. Uh, it's been years, several years. <laughs> so when we were both going through college, going through college, uh, I thought in my mind, I'm like, man, you know, I got this smoking hot girlfriend. You know, we were we weren't married at the time. I'm like, you know, I love to hunt. I want to get her into hunting. And if anybody that knows my wife, she's she's beautiful. She's down to earth. But she is a girly girl. I mean, as girly as they come. And that's, One of those Southern bells, huh? Yeah, I mean, she's she's you know the best person to deal with. She's awesome, but she does not like getting her hands dirty, and that's fine. And as I got a little older, I realized, uh, and I and this is and this is something good. I think uh, for me personally, I think this is something good. It's not really marriage counseling or marriage advice, but this is something that I see in the marriages around me that tend to last the people in the couple are when they met, they were individuals. They had their individual likes. They had their individual hobbies. They had their individual things that they wanted to do. And it seems like the marriages that are strong, like I feel like my marriage is continue that into their marriage. So they're there. You come together as a couple, you do things together, you make your decisions together. But there's something to be said about having your own hobbies and being able to go out there and enjoy your hobbies and know that your spouse backs you up 110% because they know that that's who they married. They know that that's what makes you tick. And that's kind of how it turned out with my wife and I. Long story short, she shot a little bit. We, uh, we ended up going hunting and had a nice eight point come in. Uh, had a little bit of ruckus in the blind trying to get set up and there goes the buck and that was the end of it <laughs> she uh she started dental hygiene school and she didn't have enough time to shoot the bow yeah. and i'm kind of under the impression and like i said earlier my bow hunting i didn't do my due diligence as far as shooting my bow and making sure that when i went hunting i wasn't going to wound an animal at least to the best of my ability but i do feel like as bow hunters we owe it to the animal to know our effective range, our real effective range. Yeah. Know our equipment. Know, and there's always something that's going to happen. We're always going to make bad, we can make bad shots. Bad things happen when you're hunting. It's just how it is. But we owe it to the animal to be as good as we can at the craft that we're doing so that we can cut down on how many animals we wound. It's going to happen. If you hunt long enough, you're going to wound an animal. But if you can cut down on it, 
you by all means do everything you can to do that. And she was to the point where she couldn't shoot enough to be effective, to stay good enough. And it wasn't what she was passionate about. Right. So she'll go with me every now and then, but she's, it takes a little bit of uh, prodding and, uh, Hey, come on, babe, spend some time with me, you know, go out to the blind, you know, but (laughs) she will go with me every now and every now and then. And she supports what I do, but she's, she's not a hunter. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I hear you. But even just like shooting in your backyard or anything, do you guys ever go out and have date night in the backyard shooting bows or anything like that? Oh yeah. She'll, she'll come out there and my dog, uh, Robbie, he's, he's great. Uh, you know, he's my little buddy. I don't even, I don't have to put him on a leash or nothing. We're out there. He just loves running around. I'll be out there shooting with him. And usually when I get home from work, I'll go out and shoot some and she'll come out there and we'll talk while I'm shooting and whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of, especially with the Buffalo Creek outdoors thing. When I started this, it was like, it was kind of like a joke. You know, my wife, I love her to death, but, and she'll even tell you this, she supported me, but in the back of her mind, she's like, this, this guy is wasting his time. He's wasting all this time doing these videos. And it's kind of turned into more of a family thing now where like my wife is, if you see something on my social media, that looks a little bit girly. It's because my wife has kind of taken over my social media (laughs) for the most part, uh, because I enjoy editing the videos but when I try to work full time, edit videos and do social media and do all this, it just becomes too much. And it actually kind of takes away from what I was enjoying. Mm-hmm. So now the whole Buffalo Creek outdoors thing has brought, and it's weird how, and I noticed this with the whole, with when I was doing the elk film with the full draw film tour, how this passion of mine has turned into like a whole family thing. So my wife helps me. She helps me with the products and stuff like that. My sister-in-law is all into, you know, figuring up new designs. You know, they got like this little hometown thing where everybody's like, I love watching your stuff. You know, you inspire me and I don't even hunt and I love watching your stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty funny how, you know, a a dream of yours has kind of turns into something that affects so many people around you. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And yeah, I've kind (laughs) of... My wife was the same way. Now I, I don't do YouTube because um, I'm not much of a videographer. I, I say that I take a lot of pictures and videos of my family and, and kids and me doing stuff on my phone. But like I I considered it at one point, but I knew that I would be too much of a perfectionist with it, that it would take away from my kind of like what you were saying, where it was starting to take away from your experience. And uh, and so I just I'm like, you know, I like talking to people. So why not put a microphone in front of me and talk to people? And uh and yeah, my wife was kind of the same way. She was like, Oh, you're really going to do this? Like red beard. Huh? That's funny. You know, but, <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, it's funny cause it's stuck and it really stuck at, uh, at elk shape camp last year. Cause I know Dan knew my name, but like he was calling me red beard the whole time. And then ever since then, it's just kind of, it's just kind of stuck. And so I, I hear you, man, passion kind of has turned into something else for you. So that's, that's awesome. Um, now, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, I know you're not saying marriage advice because you're not necessarily a counselor, but I do agree with that hundred percent. I can't remember what I heard and I might be misquoting it, but something about not being codependent, but co-independent is something along those lines where mm-hmm. you can still like you come together, you have your own experiences and you share them because if you're codependent and you're always doing what she wants, or she's always doing what you want, um, you never grow, you know, they're dragging you along or you're dragging them along. 
and it's not fun for either one of you, you know? So um, I, I agree with that hundred percent. It takes a lot, again, it takes a lot of that communication, but it's worth it, you know? And when I do get it oh, right, yeah. when I do finally hit the nail on the head, it's nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when, when it's, you know, it can be a bumpy road sometimes, but, but that, that's awesome that you guys get out and, and she supports you. You guys have that sense of humor where you can laugh about it. She can joke with you about it, but, but at the same time that you guys are supportive of each other, that's, that's really cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this, uh, about the fitness side of things. So growing up in, I'm just going to say growing up in North Carolina and it's not the deep South, but nutrition in, in North Carolina sucks. Like, I'm just going to say it. It's just terrible. Everything's either fried or pastries or uh, we'd always call it my, I love this meal that my grandma makes, but if I ate it too much, you know, you get fat, uh, chicken slick is what she call it, but chicken pastry. So have you ever had chicken pastry? I oh, maybe, man. but I haven't heard it. I've never heard it called that. I don't know. Chicken what. slick. <laughs> 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 um, so it's basically just thick pastries that she cooks up almost like spaghetti noodles, but they're these like slabs of just pastry and there's chicken in it and some other, she doesn't season much. It's like salt and pepper. And then you have like green peas and a green salad with it. Um, but it's, uh, it's almost like a soup without the the soup. I, I don't know how to describe kind of it. Same well, like a chicken pot pie. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, um, like it doesn't have the breading chicken. around it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a noodle. That's like a rectangle. Um, huh. Anyway, lasagna. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, things like that are just deep fried food or, you know, you got the double fried chicken, things like that. How, how did you get into fitness being around all of that? Cause you're, you're pretty fit dude. So how, how'd you get into good nutrition being around all of that kind of food? So I will not lie to you. I eat like a 400 pound kid. <laughs> That being said, I was blessed with good genetics and a really high metabolism. But on the downside of that and what kind of got me into fitness and and I, I say that jokingly, I do have I do eat too much sugar, uh, M&Ms and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, back about that 11 layer chocolate cake. Have you ever had that? I don't know. Dude, Maybe that's something in chocolate. North Carolina or either that or pound cake. Oh, I love pound cake. Oh, there we go. (laughs) But there's this, now I'm going to get you hooked on something. There's this 11 layer cake. Now we're talking about how good nutrition we should be doing. Right. But Uh, every time I go out there, even though I'm gluten-free, I have one little thin slice of this cake. It's like the perfect ratio of cake to icing. And these layers are like this thin, just uh as thin as the icing layers. And it's just 11 layers. So look it up. 11 layers of cake. Whenever we get off this, you take your wife out to get some 11 layer cake with some vanilla ice cream. Okay. (laughs) I'll look that up. Anyway. So what kind of got me into fitness overall, as far as trying to be healthy is it was kind of a, uh, I probably didn't start for the right reasons. Uh, With the fact that I have a high metabolism, I'm only like five, eight, five, nine, depending on what shoes I have on. I mean, I'm not very tall guy. And I'm not a really big guy. I average around 170. That's about what I weigh. During elk season, I'm more like 162, 165. But I don't fluctuate very much. But growing up, I was a lot smaller than everybody. And going up into high school, I was still a lot smaller than everybody. Well, I got into a weightlifting. I got into weightlifting with for football. 
and I was getting, I was really, I was tired of getting picked on. That's kind of what it boiled down to. And overall, I've been, I've been, I think probably some of your strength comes from genetics. Genetically, I've, I feel like I'm fairly strong for my size. And it was the same then before I ever worked out, I felt like I had a good base. I was able to, right off the bat, I was able to bench my body weight, which a lot of people can't do that. Like, Nothing against that, but just a, overall, I felt like I had a good base. I was fairly strong for no bigger than I was. So I started the muscle shake, the muscle gain, weight gain and shakes and everything, trying to put on some weight. And I did put on some weight. By the time I graduated, I was like 155. I think when I started working out, I was like 115. And uh, pretty much that just kind of got me into it. Like I felt good. I felt healthy. I felt strong. Uh, working out and I hated running <laughs> I just absolutely hated running and and baseball and football you don't run very long distance um, and that kind of the sprints and the short distance runs for cardio and stuff like that that was kind of what I was into and then when I got out of high school I continued the, the lifting and stuff like that my goal was just to get big I wanted to get strong I wanted to get big and then I decided I was going to join the military and so for boot camp, I knew I was going to have to run. I was going to have to be in good cardio shape, that type of stuff. So that kind of started, okay, I knew I had to run a mile and a half. I'm going to run a mile and a half. And I'm going to still maintain my muscle. But for me, for my body type, when I run, I lose muscle. I just cannot – I can't hold it. I can't hold my strength. I can't hold my muscle mass for whatever reason. I just – I don't seem to be able to do that. So I went to basic, I, lost, I went, I got down to like 165 and then I went to tech school. And for any of the guys out there that have been in the military or are in the military, you know, generally when you go to a tech school like that, you've got all this food in the defect. You can eat whenever you want to, like it's all there. So when I got out of basic, I had lost like 10 pounds. I was like, I got to build this muscle back up. My running's over with. I don't have to run. Very rarely do I have to run anymore. Here we go. You know, I'm going to start building. And I ended up getting up to 184. That was my biggest. And uh, at 184, I was benching like 365. I was squatting, you know, close to 400, which is not a lot. That's not huge numbers for a lot of guys. But for somebody that's my size, I felt like that was, those were good numbers. And it felt good until I got back to my base and did a PT test, and a 51-year-old man ran faster than I did on the PT mm. test. And that was another milestone in my life where I was like, if I'm going to do this for 20 years, a 51-year-old man, I'm 22, 23, something like that, then 21, 22, something like that. I'm like, a 51-year-old man should not be out running me on this run. <laughs> so then I started being able to kind of dial, you know, dial down my – muscular fitness versus my cardio fitness and i started trying to eat a little healthier to keep my weight at the weight where i feel good and then i kind of maintained that for several years and then it wasn't until 2018 was the first time i ever elk hunted or went out west and really needed to be in any kind of specific shape and i'm not saying you got to be in a specific shape as in if you're out of shape you can't elk hunt that's not the case but the caliber of hunting that i wanted to do I knew I needed to be in a certain cardio shape and I knew I was going to have to sacrifice some of my muscle size 
to be at that healthy weight where my joints and stuff, and I've had an ACL re- reconstruction. So my knee, I jacked it up like to nine, nine or 10 years ago. I've had it redone. So weight is the killer of joints. Like the more weight you have on your body, it's hard on your joints. So I ended up kind of figuring out my system and I watched while well, I was actually deployed to Kuwait and I saw uh, a video from born and raised outdoors. And these guys were kind of like the same thing. If anybody knows Cody Kellum, you know, he kind of holds his uh, emotions on his sleeves. And I just see these guys like they hunt it all this whole week, you know, they're after this elk and I can't, I think it was Colorado. Maybe they were hunting and they finally get one down and Cody's just sitting there bawling his eyes out, you know, and everything, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And uh, I'm sitting there in my bunk and it was like right then instant. I said next year. And this was in like April, May timeframe in 17. It was like, okay, I got to get this gear. This is going to happen. I'm going, I'm going out West and I'm going to kill an elk. And that, started the the biggest turnaround for me and my physical fitness and my health overall and how I feel because I knew then I needed to start getting a base I needed to start getting that cardio running that running that uh, cardiovascular fitness the lunges the things like that I needed to start working on that then so I'd be prepared come fall or September of 18 and since then that was like and I say I tell people this all the time elk hunting changed my life and it changed my life. I was already in shape. I felt like I was in pretty good shape. But that kind of steered me in a direction of working shape. You don't you don't really need to be strong enough to bench 400 pounds. You do, in your normal everyday life, you don't need to be that strong. For normal everyday, I mean, if that's what you love to do, right. by all means, you push for it. But for what I love to do and hunting and backpacking and things like that, I knew that I needed to go in a direction of staying strong, but being a good all around strong and cardiovascular, being in good cardiovascular shape. So, yeah, I tell people all the time, that's kind of what steered me in the direction that I'm in. Now, unfortunately, like I said, I'm blessed with good genetics. And if there's anything else, anything that I really suck at and I'm just not good at, that is diet. I eat in moderation. I will say that. I don't just go out here and gorge myself at every meal. But, you know, I'm eating sugary stuff. I'm eating, you know, fattening type foods. Um, But my body type deals with it. I can eat that stuff and still have a six pack. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that in a bragging manner. I'm just saying that as in, I'm not, uh, people come to me all the time about, Hey, what should I do for a diet? And I can give you a good idea. I know what you need to do to eat healthy. I just don't do that. So I'm not a good example for health, eating healthy. My grandpa said something to me a couple years ago that really stuck with me. And you see a lot of older people that when they get older, they retire They've been skinny their whole life, and then all of a sudden, boom, they blow up like a balloon. They gain a lot of weight, and it's harder the older you get. And I, like I said, I'm not even 30 yet. I'm almost 30, uh, and I haven't noticed a slowdown in my metabolism, but as you get older, your metabolism slows down. And my grandpa said something to me one day that really stuck to me, and he said uh, he was talking some lady at church was asking him, Larry, uh, how do you stay so thin? And he said, well, I'll tell you, he said, it's easy. And my grandpa, same way as me, he, every meal he was eating a cookie or a cake or 
you know, my grandma was fixing some fried chicken or, you know, they ate in moderation. He said, I eat to live. He said, I don't eat. I don't live to eat. He was like, I know when to put my spoon down or when I, I know when to put my fork down. Uh, and that was pretty much his philosophy. And he was, you know, he was in good health his entire life. He worked hard, but he ate in moderation. And I think there's a key to that. I think when you look at the portions and stuff that we get now, they're made for people to put on weight. We, you know, look, you look back in history and nobody in history ever ate as much as we did. <laughs> and elk hunting will give you a hard reset. If you, I'll tell you this, and I learned this the hard way. I packed 3000 plus calories for my, this is on the first elk hunt. I packed 3000 plus calories for my meal. I tried to keep my weight down. A lot of that is peanut butter M&Ms, you know, Fritos, fattening type stuff that your body needs. My buddy, Nathan, we, he, we went on the, this first elk hunt together and he did the same thing. He packs his food. All right. We get out there on the mountain and by day three or four, you've got all this, all this food in your bag that you're not eating because you can't eat it. It's hard to explain until you've experienced it, but you have all this food that you love to eat at home. But then when you get on the mountain, the mountain wrecks you in a way that your body only craves what your body needs. And that's the best way that I can explain it. For me, my body needs sugar. For my buddy Nathan, his body needs salt. He could care less about the sugary stuff. And I don't know why that is. And I tried not eating sugar prior to that elk hunt. I tried doing away with sugar because I listened to Brian call uh, a lot and gritty. Uh, I know he has some of the same kind of joint issues that I have where I get some inflammation in my joints for him. Cutting out sugars was a big help for me. That's not the case. I cut out sugars and my body feels drained. It feels like I need mm. sugar, uh, not in an unhealthy amount of sugar, but if I'm hiking and I get a drag, I feel like I'm just down in the dumps and I can't go anymore. I'll pop a couple peanut butter M&Ms and it's like a fire is lit under my butt. Here we go again. Mm -hmm. My buddy's the opposite. His assault. So it's weird how each individual's body knows what it requires. And sometimes you just got to listen to what your body requires. It's, it's easy to go on a list and somebody say, this is the diet you need to be on. But the, for me, the proof is in the pudding. If I can eat the way I can eat and I feel healthy, I'm not saying it's right, but you might not be able to do the same thing. Nope. You might not be able to eat the same thing I can and stay fit. Uh, I think I would probably be maybe on a Dan Staten type of level if I ate healthier. Um, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh, it's kind of one of those things, like you were saying, in our area, it's hard to kind of eat. It's hard to eat really healthy. Now, my grandparents have a garden. We eat garden vegetables and stuff like that. Um, but I was raised in the, with my lived, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and it was always cereal in the mornings. My grandpa would take a little bit of spoon of sugar and he'd put it in my cereal and put a little bit of honey on top of it. And here we go. We're good to go. And then for lunch, it was, something small but at the end of lunch we'd have a cookie or something and then bologna sandwich yeah yeah <laughs> pimento cheese sandwich bologna sandwich ham sandwich something uh and then supper would be the same thing my grandma would have always have a cake or something she always does stuff like that and yeah long story short i don't eat the healthiest 
But with that being said, I think it's important for people to realize, especially most of the people that are watching your stuff or listening to your stuff or watching my stuff are probably in the same uh, arena as us as far as they're interested in going out west or they're interested in being a little healthier or they're interested in archery. And there's just like I just said about the bows, there's not a specific bow for each person. I think it goes the same thing for everything in life. Each individual needs to know their own thing. They need to know they need to know their diet. You might can start out with a baseline and where I was going with the food from Colorado. I learned that year what food I just couldn't eat. Um, those break those breakfast bars, the um, <laughs> what are they? What are they called? Uh, it's not kind. It's a. Uh, um, Oh, Does it shoot. start with a Q? No, it wasn't Quest. Okay. I can't remember the brand. But anyway, the little bre- the little protein bars or whatever. I love those things. I can eat them all the time here. For whatever reason, when I would get on that mountain and I would try to eat one of those, it would make me so sick. And I had to fit each year I figure out more and more what my diet is and what my body needs. And I, you know. It's crazy. It blows my mind. I'm, that's not what I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't, I haven't learned a lot of stuff about the scientific stuff behind that, but it's weird to, it's cool. And that's another thing I like about elk hunting is it just brings out so many more avenues other than just hunting. Uh, and that's Western hunting is it's hard for somebody coming from North Carolina, but man, I'm telling you the first time I did it, I said, I will never not do this again. This is awesome. And that's why I tell people all the time, elk hunting changed my life. And it it made me healthier. It made me a better person. Spiritually, it made me better. I mean, you want to talk about a a heart-wrenching gut check. uh, And everybody that watches my stuff know I'm big on, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the Bible. You know, I believe in that type of stuff. I live my life around that type of stuff. I try to be a good example. Uh, You want to talk about a spiritual reckoning. You get up on top of a mountain after, shoot, I'll get emotional talk about it. You get up on top of a mountain and you've been hunting for 10 days and you got an elk. Like, I don't know what a lot of guys think, but for me, I know God's going to provide for me whenever it's the right time for him to provide for me. It's all in his will. But every time I'm hunting, and I try not to do this, but every time I'm out there, I have this feeling like it's going to be the day. Like I hype myself up, like it's going to be the day. I'm going to kill one today. It's going to be my day. And the whole time I'm hunting, I'm like, Lord, please just bless me with a deer today. Or Lord, please just bless me with this big elk today. And uh, this is 10 days into my first elk hunt. Okay. My buddies had already left. I'm up there. They had to leave early. I'm up there. And I'm sitting on the side of this mountain. And 6.15, 6.30 rolls around. I'm about to have to head back to camp. And I, well, I'm like, all right, something told me in the back of my mind, God, Jesus, I don't know. But something upstairs told me, bugle. So here I am. I'm like, well, what the heck, you know. <laughs> here we go. I, I let out a bugle. And sure, if daggone, if not, a bull bugles. And it sounds like it's four or 500 yards away. It was a real windy day. Well, this bull bugles and I've, you know, of course I'm by myself now. I got my camera. I'm trying to get everything set up. And all of a sudden I start hearing sticks cracking. Mm. 
And I look down, and at 35 yards, there's this giant five-by-five. I mean, you know, a lot of people hear five by five and they're like, oh, you know, whatever. But this thing was huge. It no, was I'm easily, there with you. <laughs> easily, easily Pope and Young, very easily Pope and Young, way bigger than the elk that I killed last uh, in 2019 or 2020. Way bigger than that. He comes in and he's just pretty as you please. And I will never forget this. And I actually wrote an article uh, in the Colorado Bowhunter magazine uh, in the October edition. It was, kind of on this this whole thing but uh i'm sitting there and i will never forget this bull walking in and all of a sudden in my mind i'm just like caleb you are a bad son of a gun you are out here on your first elk hunt in the middle of nowhere everybody says you can't kill an elk you're on the hardest possible hunt you can do you're with a bow you've never done this before you've never hunted with anybody that's elk hunted before and you're about to kill a giant Pope and Young five by five bull on your first elk hunt. And that was what was going through my mind. This bull's still walking. I mean, he's coming perfect in my shooting lane. And I will never forget drawing back. And I am dead calm, not a nerve at all. And I look at this bull and I'm just, I see the rack. You know, he's huge. And I'm looking and I'm like, Caleb, you've already done it. Here you go. You just shot a giant bull first time out here. You are a bad son of a gun. And let me tell you right now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe in God, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm about to prove it to you because the wind started blowing and this dead tree behind me that hadn't moved all day long snapped and popped. And that bull looked directly at that tree and the sun shining right in my face and I'm wide slam open. I can't move. Mm. And that bull looks up. He don't look at me, but he looks at that tree and I'm at full draw. And he puts his head back down. And as soon, and I'll never forget this. As soon as he looks up at me, it dawned on me. The only reason I'm here is because the good Lord up above said, you're going to be right here at this second. And I'm sitting here looking at this bull and all, that, all of a sudden I'm like, I start shaking. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> be with me now, you know, please push this bull, you know, two more steps. Give me this bull, Lord, you know, give me this bull. And that bull put his head down and he took another step and that tree popped again. And as soon as it did, that bull turned and went directly away from me, never presenting another shot, never mm. presenting a shot. And he was, a, he ended up at like 32 yards when he stopped and turned, never presented another shot. And as that bull walked away, I remember thinking to myself, you know, you just sit here thinking you're such a good hunter. You're just a bad, this bad to the bone hunter. And then the second that something happens, I, you know, when this is, when it's all going good, I'm sitting there, I'm not even thinking about God. And when this bull turns and looks at me, all of a sudden I'm like, Lord, please help me. And that's not how I should be. And that's what, and it, it wrecked me. So when that bull walked off, I'm sitting there on the side of the mountain and I'm going to tell you right now, I got the best wife. I call her and I'm on the side of this mountain. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am a grown man bawling my eyes out, dry heaving, convulsing, like my muscles are locking up and I can't explain it. And I am crying, talking to her on the phone. And I'm like, I've done all, I've put all this work in, you know, all this, spent all this money. And she just looks at me or she, I don't, I wasn't FaceTiming her. I was on phone call. She, she's talking to me and she's like, if it's God's will, 
or when it's God's will, you'll kill one. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you've done all you can do. Enjoy the experience. And I mean, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this woman is, I think, early 20s, mid 20s. Then I can't remember. This was 18. But she, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, man, she has the, she supports me, but she has the mentality that she knows I'm putting everything I can into it. And she knows, even though she doesn't hunt, she knows that I'm not enjoying the experience like I should be. And she says, just enjoy your time out there. If you kill one, it's because it's meant to be. And when it's meant to be, you will kill one. And I remember thinking, you know, you're right. And then here we are, you know, 2018, I didn't kill one. I had two more days on my hunt, I didn't kill one. You got 19. Me and my buddy went out there and we got so destroyed. Like my buddy was so dehydrated. He was peeing blood. Like he had no pee. Mm. He was peeing straight blood because the temperatures were over a hundred degrees. I mean, it was hot. It was, we were hiking our butts off. We went through some stuff we probably shouldn't have. And I remember then being so discouraged, like maybe this isn't meant for me to kill one. Maybe that's not what this is meant for. And I really was not planning on going back elk hunting after that season. I was going to give up. I was that demoralized. I was going to give up. And then I started getting messages from people on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. They're like, I watch your stuff. And this was before I started doing YouTube. I didn't start doing YouTube until after that in 2019, actually putting videos out. People were watching my stuff and they're like, you inspire me to get out there and be healthier. You inspire me to get out here and enjoy nature. And I don't hunt and I still love watching this stuff and seeing your Facebook story and, you know, Facebook and all that. And that was when I was like, kind of thinking it kind of changed my way of, it's not about me. And then it started making me think, I'm like, I should start putting this stuff out there because even though I'm not killing animals, people can get something out of this. And, uh, then here, fast forward 2020, we go get ready to go out for this hunt. And, you know, I'm prepping, I'm pushing myself two days before my hunt, my Hoyt breaks. I had an RX4, my Hoyt, it breaks. And then I just remember normally I would be so upset. And I was just like, I ain't worried about it. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I went, came in here, got my Spider 34. No joke, within 30 minutes, I was shooting broadheads out to 80 yards. And I'm like, ooh, something feels right here. And then the guys at the archery shop were like, you're going to kill one this year. It is your year. And then we get out there. My buddy Chandler never had bow hunted before. or never He had never bow hunted before, for one. He had never elk hunted before, for two. We were in the military together here in North Carolina, and he moved to Montana. He drove down, meets me out there. We're in the truck. I'm like, dude, something feels right. I got that feeling we get up the next morning and within the first hour of the hunt, I shoot that elk at 14 yards and all that, all that to say, we plan our own lives out and we think this should happen at this point in time. But had I killed that bull in 2018, the story never would have turned into what it was. Mm -hmm. I would have never been able to reach people through elk hunting like I feel like I have to this point because had I shot that bull, Caleb would have just been a bad to the bone bow hunter that 
just went out there and I know everything and I went out here and killed this bull. But what it turned into was an experience and a life journey that inspired other people outside of bow hunting in a way that I could have never orchestrated that. It had to be somebody up above. And what that turned into, I mean, I'm telling you right now, for me, the whole spiritual side of it, it's just, it all ties in together for me. And I try not to do it in a way that's over the top. I try not to convey that in my stuff. Like I'm saying, you got to believe this, but I try to use that as an example for there's somebody out there watching after you. And there's somebody out there that cares about you and has your life in your best interest in life in his mind. And that's kind of how I try to portray that in my videos. And I hope it comes across that way. Cause just like with my tree stand testimonies that I try to put out there on social media, uh, I don't do those to try to, you know, throw religion on people. I try to do it in a way that's just down to earth. Like this is what I get. This is how I'm experiencing this. And I hope you get something out of it. If not, by all means, that's fine. But if I think about it and I don't say it and I don't put it out there, it's never going to touch anybody. Yep. So, you know, like I said, I like to talk, but man, I get passionate when I start talking about that kind of stuff. And for me, it's easier to convey my message of my beliefs and how I live my life. It's easier for me to convey that through my experiences in the outdoors, because that's where I feel the closest to God. I feel like this is where I was meant to be. Yep. So, yeah, no, no, I, and I appreciate you sharing that story. Cause I, you know, um, it's crazy because like what you were saying with, with the whole experience of what was going through your head that first year, you got the, the bull within 30 yards and, uh, you know, you're, you're the, you're the baddest person out there and your first year, you're going to smack down this bull and, um, didn't plan out. And it's it kind of, it definitely humbles you a lot, um, being out there in the mountains and, and then the next year having the bow break and, how many people would have gone home due to that, you know, and they would have never had the experience that you had. And so it is, it is key to, to do control everything that you can control, but realize that you can't control everything, you know? Um, and, and I love that about, you know, I, I used to get stressed out about things that were out of my control. And I think that's a problem with a lot of people going back to health or even, you know, bow hunting or getting outside in general or with their families like there's things that you can't control, you know, uh, just an example. I can't control my little seven-year-old. He is the most rambunctious hands-on, like just bullheaded kid that you will ever know. And you wrap that up with ADHD and everything else he's got going on for him. And, uh, and, and it's just so hard sometimes. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to make you do what you need to do, but I can't, you know, that's out of my control. What's in my control is he sees how I live my life and he sees how I discipline and he sees what needs to happen. Right. And that's just, again, one example, but in your example of, you know, you can't control your bow breaking to a certain extent, you can, you know, don't dry fire it. Don't do this. Don't like certain things, take care of it, maintain it, but you did everything you can happen to fall apart on you. You had a backup plan. You controlled that you had a secondary bow, right? You controlled that you, you had stuff, you had a good archery shop, you control, like you had control of the things that you could control. And then you still went out there and you made it happen. Right. Um, you know, I, I love that. And I, I do realize that about a lot of people who are successful in what they do 
is that they don't focus on things that are out of their control. They don't care about whether it's comments on social media. They're like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, what, what does that have to do with me? You know, judge me how you like, you know, I'm doing what I need to do. And I'm sharing with, like you said, the people that, that really need it, that message that you put out there. And if you didn't have that humbling experience, you probably would not have reached the people that have either been through the same thing or something similar outside of hunting that they failed the first couple of times that they went out and did it. They spent days and weeks and months on fitness or whatever it may be. And they failed, uh, you know, and, and they're realizing that you can come back from that. And so I definitely appreciate the stuff that you put out there. Um, and I, I want people that listen to me to also go over and, and check your content out because Again, it's non-biased. It's down to earth. It's faith-based. I mean, there's so many things that go along with it. You're very, um, you know, you don't put it out there as much, but you can tell that your wife is happy and that you guys communicate, you guys work out together. You guys do a lot of stuff together um, that incorporate that family aspect of things. And so that when you fill her bucket so that when it's time for you to go somewhere, she's more than supportive, you know? Uh, she didn't tell you to come home on that hunt that you screwed up that first year. She supported you and said, you know, if it is what it is, then that's the way it needs to be. Right. Um, I've, I've blessed with the same thing. I, I had so many experiences this first year and one of them, I didn't listen <laughs> to, I, you know, I got frustrated with these other stupid hunters we were dealing with. I didn't listen to a spiritual prompting that I had to sit in that spot until dark, until I literally couldn't shoot anymore. I got up 15 minutes before dark and headed down the mountain, turned back around, and this big old bull was walking out in front of where I was going to be sitting. No joke. And he was 60 plus yards, and I wasn't going to take that shot just because it wasn't ethical. Tried to run him down, you know, Hail Mary effort. And then I called my wife and she was like, yeah, us and the kids, we were praying for you right about that time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, like, no, I just feel stupid. <laughs> but again, it was humbling because if I had just sat there for those 15 minutes that I could have been that nothing happened, but I had that prompting. Right. Um, you know, it would have been a different story. So it, it's it's extremely humbling. I, I love that you bring that into it, that you're not just all about, well, I did everything right, but you did what you could control. And then, you know, you put your faith in God. You had amazing experience. You've had amazing experiences and you continue to do so, even though you may not always punch a tag. And um, I think that's so key. That's, you know, the biggest thing, I, maybe this whole conversation is just control what you can control, put your faith where it needs to go, and then enjoy the experience, enjoy the ride, enjoy life, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, but um, yeah, thank that's you. so true. I mean, there's a there's a there's a saying that my grandpa told that uh, it really ties into what you just said. Control what you can control, but realize that there's somebody out there, somebody upstairs that's got your best interest in mind. And this story goes story goes like this: This guy was on the boat, and his boat sank, and he's floating in the ocean, and he's praying to God, "Please deliver me from this situation." Well, lo and behold, here comes a person in a boat and they pull up to him and they're like, Hey, do you need help? And he says, no, God's going to deliver me from this situation. So the boat goes off. Well, here comes another boat. Same thing. Do you need help? No, God's going to deliver me from this situation. So the boat goes off. Here comes a third boat and the guy's drowned. He's dead. 
he gets to heaven and he's like, God, I thought you were going to de- deliver me from this situation. He said, I sent you two boats. <laughs> and that's so true. I mean, it honestly, yep. is God has your best interest in mind. His boat went down for a reason. You don't know what the reason is. You may not always know what the reason is, but he's always got your best interest in mind. And I, I do my hunting goes the same way. I do as much as I can do to be as good as I can, to know as much as I can, to be as healthy as I can and to have my gear where it needs to be. And if it's meant for me to kill an animal, it'll happen. But everything leading up to that is up to me. God's putting these avenues out there for me. It's up to me to take advantage of them. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's, that's good. I, I really, I think what you were saying, you know, control what you can control, but you can't control certain situations because there's somebody up there that has a reason for what's going on. And my wife and I right now, we're building a house. We just started building our house. We've been saving. We got married. And this is another marriage tip. Uh, when we got, when we went through our premarital counseling before we got married, my, uh, our pastor made us go through the Dave Ramsey total money makeover. And my wife and I are not rich. We don't have these hundred thousand dollar a year jobs. And if you got one, that's awesome. We don't, but he made us go through the Dave Ramsey total money makeover. And when we got married, we were both no debt. We had no debt. And we got married with a money goal in mind. We were going to save this much money. And we were going to save until we had X number of dollars. And then we were going to build our house. And that's what we're doing now. Unfortunately, (laughs) we're building a house in the time where everything is more expensive than anything has ever been before. And your money's not going as far. And it's hard for me because I see all this money we've got saved up and how well we've done. And it stresses me out to the point where it's not fun for me to build this house. And we're doing a lot of the work ourselves. And uh, sometimes I have to sit back and listen to the stuff that I put out there to other people of God has this under control. I know there's a reason why we're building our house right now. I can't see it, but you were also talking about my wife's bucket is full. She doesn't expect me to come back. She doesn't expect me not to go hunting. Part of that is my wife wants a house. And she wants a house because we want to start having kids. Well, this little trailer we live in is awesome. My grandparents have blessed us. We rent for super cheap. It's a great little place, but we do not have enough room for kids. And because my wife allows me to do the things she allows me to do and allows me to enjoy my life, I owe it to her to allow her to enjoy enjoy her life. And if building a house is what makes her enjoy her life, then we're we're building a house. Yep. So, you know, it goes both ways. And I know on this podcast, I've talked a lot about how my wife gives and gives and gives to me, but it is a two way street. I don't just take from her all the time. And I think, I think that's a pretty big thing to put out there too, is it goes both ways for both parties in the relationship. And if your relationship isn't in order, you're never going to enjoy your hunting side of it. Yep. You'll be up there. You'll be up there in the silence, but your mind is everywhere else. Yep. You know? Um, yeah. You, again, going back to controlling what you can, like you can control what you contribute in your family, what you contribute with your, your work, you know, provide, be of value to your work. So you can come back to a job, you know? Um, so you get your crap done before you head out on the mountains, whether that be 
again, with your job or with your fitness, like you can control your fitness level so that when you're out there, you're, uh, as Dan would say, you're limitless. He feels limitless out there. Cause he's been, I mean, he's in, I think he's 40 and he's been training ever since high school consistently in, in the weight room, you know, he feels limitless up there and that's how I want to feel as well. And anyone else that wants to go Western hunting, don't ever underestimate, don't ever say, you know, and yeah, you can kill an animal. You can fill a tag off the road. There's road hunters. Um, but you won't be consistent and you will always have the limitations. So again, just controlling what you can control and then putting your faith where it needs to go and, uh, and going from there. So, and I appreciate you sharing, you know, a bit of your life with us and, and your, your recent experiences. And, um, man, I could talk to you for hours. You're, you're just an awesome yeah, guy. And I, I know you've got stuff to do and, uh, but where can people find you, um, when they, when they want to look you up? So of course the YouTube channel is, uh, Buffalo Creek Outdoors. That's the main thing. That's where I put a lot of my time and energy into. Um, and then social media, I've got, um, Buffalo Creek Outdoors on Facebook, and then it should be uh, the Buffalo Creek on Instagram. And then we have a website as well um, where you can buy merchandise and stuff like that, hats, T-shirts. Um, we do that more of just you know community support. We don't really make much off of it, but it's just kind of one of those things. It's pretty cool when you roll up somewhere and somebody's got a Buffalo Creek Outdoors hat on. Uh, they're repping the Genesis 27.3 and, you know, me being in the military, my buddy was actually in Germany wearing one of my hats and somebody from Germany was like, what's Genesis 27.3? What's Buffalo Creek Outdoors? And he actually went in and was like looking at the Bible, looking up the Bible verse and stuff like that. So it's just a good way for people to rep something that they stand for and start up a conversation. So like I said, we don't make much money off the merchandise uh, and we're, we both have full-time jobs, so we do this because this is what we love to do. Um, so, yeah, you can check out the website. It's uh, Bee Creek Gear. Um, go on the YouTube channel or the social media. There's It's a Squarespace um, tag on the end. It's like squarespace.site or something like that. Um, I'm in the process of getting my domain switched back over. I changed from Wix to Squarespace, so now I'm in the, the middle of getting my domain switched over. But... The updated links will always be on YouTube or my social media. So, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And if anybody wants to talk anything spiritual, relationships, if you just want to talk, I'm always open. I'm always up for conversation. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't have to just be hunting. Like we've just talked about for I don't even know how long. There's a lot more that goes into it other than just the hunt. So, No, for sure. And we'll definitely have to, we'll, we'll stay in touch and we'll have to follow up after elk season this year. And hopefully we both oh, yeah. push our tags this year. Yeah. I don't uh, know if I'm going to make it out West this year. Unfortunately, I'm already getting the bug, but building this house, I've no, I hear pretty you. much when the house needs me, I've got to be able to be here. So if I don't hunt out West this year, I'm planning on doing like a three state public land whitetail hunt in November, uh, cool. a week here all the way around and come back to the house. So I might have to, uh, do you, uh, this could start a whole nother rabbit hole, but, um, <laughs> do you hunt in North Carolina for deer as well? Like, do you hunt for deer in North Carolina as well? Do I hunt what for deer in North Carolina? I do. Yeah. I okay. hunt public land here. Um, so I might have to, we might have to link up because I've got a lifetime hunting fishing license in North Carolina. 
Um, my grandpa had the foresight to buy that for me when I was born. So uh, we might have to link up and, and maybe do something like that if you can't yeah. get out here. Let's do it. I'm always open. And that's another thing. If anybody out there wants to hunt together, shoot me a message because unfortunately a lot of my buddies at my age just don't have the vacation to be able yeah. to go and do what I do. Fortunately with the military, I get 30 days leave a year. Uh, I can go and do, you know, during that period of time. So I'm able to go out West and being from North Carolina, I don't run into very many people that hunt out West. So I'm always looking for new hunting buddies. If you ever want to get together and go hunt somewhere, it's pretty key. I mean, hunting buddies are key, and that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you really see people's true colors when you get yep. up on the mountain. Um, but, you know, I can already tell I enjoy, I enjoy your personality, and I like watching your stuff too. So I think we get along pretty good. But, yeah, let's get together for, you know, seriously. If you ever want to go hunting or whatever, you draw a tag out there and just need somebody to film, let me know. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Well, uh, you guys, this was a special treat having Caleb on and go check out his stuff. I'll leave the links uh, down below. And uh, as I always say, guys, get out, live your life and love it. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed making it. Go and check his stuff out, guys. Again, I'll leave the links down below. Thank you so much for tuning in. There's so many podcasts out there that you can choose from. And I love that you're sharing it with friends and family. You're getting this message out there to keep things simple and sustainable with your faith and family, fitness and the outdoors, and incorporating all those things into your lives will allow you to live a more happy and successful life as I am finding. And you're joining me in my journey. So thank you so much. And also, of course, go check out Redbeard's Fit Crew. Love to have you over there. It's a great community, private Facebook group uh, where we just support each other in our fitness goals and we just get after it together. Let's go, guys. It's springtime. I'm excited. Uh, get out as much as you can. And of course, live your life and love it.